Love never fails. Can I get amen on Sunday? Amen. Isn't it amazing when you think about the word love? Now, I got to be honest with you, straight up. I was here yesterday with, and Brandon was here doing a couple of things, and I told him, I said, you know, I never planned for 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love, to be the Sunday before Valentine's Day. But here we are. It all worked out that way. So enjoy Valentine's Day as it comes up. If you haven't bought the chocolates or the roses yet, don't forget, guys. Ladies, I guess you can buy that as well. But uh, gentlemen, especially take care of the lovely lady in your, in your life as uh, Valentine's Day rolls around. But love never fails. If you were with us in the adult class this morning, uh, we chatted just a few moments about the importance of love. Love is the foundation upon which all of our activities, our conversation, our life in Christ should be built. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, at the very end of chapter 12, he says, I want to show you a more excellent way. And the more excellent way is the way of love. We can have all kinds of gifts. As a matter of fact, Paul says in the first verse of chapter 13, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You know when someone is not sincere in a conversation you know. When you are speaking with someone about Jesus, when you're speaking with someone about what this relationship with God means to you, they know if it's coming from a place of love or not. Because they can see through it just like that. And they know the insincerity and the disingenuineness of what you're saying if it doesn't come from a place of love and you sound like a bunch of clanging cymbals and gongs and whatever else they had going on in all of the temples in the first century. It means nothing to anyone. And so as you and I begin conversations, as we begin interacting with people, as we begin just sharing our lives with others, it has to come from a place of love. Because if it doesn't, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. And people can see right through that. Paul goes on and he makes this statement. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries and knowledge. And if I have a faith, it can move mountains. But I don't have love. I am nothing. Now, we love faith. We've been talking about it the last couple of weeks on Sunday morning in the adult Bible class. We've been talking about faith, the importance of faith. And every time we bring up the word faith, somebody always quotes the verse of Scripture, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Amen. Is that the King James Version I quoted? I believe it was. Yes. Amen to that too. Amen. I'm telling you, you guys, when we talk about faith, that is the ultimate. That's our verse. That's our go-to conversation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But if there's no love in any of that conversation, it means nothing. Amen should be loud and clear. Yes, it means nothing. And I'm, I'm just going to, I'm telling you guys, there are a whole lot of us in the church, there are a whole lot of us in the world of Christianity. We preach the law. We preach the Bible. We preach the Word. We talk about this verse of Scripture. We talk about what this verse of Scripture means. We tell you what you can do. We tell you what you cannot do. And oftentimes we do it from a perspective of this is the book of law and these are the rules and the regulations and, and love isn't even in the conversation. It's more about the do's and the don'ts. And I promise you if we would sprinkle it all with love we would build the whole conversation from a perspective of love. It would mean so much more to somebody. Have you ever had the responsibility, opportunity, whatever you want to call it, to have to correct somebody? 
I mean, think about it. Have you ever had a responsibility, especially in your walk in faith, have you ever had the responsibility to go to somebody that you knew was living in sin, as we often refer to it, and have to try to have a conversation with them? How'd that work out for you? I want you to think about it. How does that work out for you? If you go to that person and you just quote them a verse of Scripture and says, look, I know what you're doing. You shouldn't do it because Paul said right here, Jesus said right here, thou shalt not. How well is that conversation received? Robert's shaking his head this way. So I'm thinking it's not very well received at all. Yes, it is not well received. But when you and I go to someone and we spend some time with them and we love on them and we let them know that we care for them and it's true and it's genuine and it means everything to us to have the conversation with them and then we bring up whatever it is that's the erring way, it's a different kind of conversation. And the end result is remarkably different. They don't walk away from us. They don't run away from us. They don't leave the church. They don't go find somewhere else to go to church where people love them. We don't need to be clanging cymbals. We don't need to have the faith that could move mountains and not have any love. Because without love, none of it means anything. If I give all that I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. We all live pretty good lives. Let's just be honest. We do. We live pretty good lives. I drive an old car. It's not really old, but it's been driven hard, and it's got a lot of miles on it, but it's still a good-looking car. You know what I'm saying? It's still a good-looking car, and I live on an old boat, and it's old. It's like almost 40 years old, and it's got issues, but it's still a good-looking boat. Guys, we are blessed beyond the imagination of most people in the world. I'm telling you, we are blessed beyond the imagination of most people in the world. Why do you think people keep trying to come here to this country called the United States of America? Why do you think there are literally thousands of people south of the border trying to come across the border? It's not because of the weather. It's not. I know it's beautiful in Southern California 328 days out of the year, but that's not why they try to come here. They try to come here to better their lives, to have more stuff, to do more things, to send money home to their families because they can't provide for themselves there. That's why they want to come here. We live in an amazing place. With all of the blessings that we have, if we don't express ourselves in love to others, it means nothing. It means nothing. We just took up a collection I remember going to a service, it's been some years ago, I was in Oklahoma City working a few years ago and I, I was working with a young man who was an agent that worked with me and he had been invited to make a presentation and it was a, it was a regional statewide convention of a, of a church and I forget the name of the churches but they have a regional statewide convention and they'd all come together and they took up a collection and they had two men absolutely beautifully adorned suits. I mean, just dressed to the T. They came down the center aisle and they had, you know, you know this time of year, right after the holidays, uh, Target and, and, and uh, Home Depot and all of these stores start selling these big bins that you can store stuff in. You know what I'm talking about? They came walking down the aisle with two big bins. I promise you they were that thick or that tall and they were that wide. Right down the center aisle and they just stood here just like this. And then they proceeded to take up a collection 
And everybody in the auditorium got to walk around. They got up row by row, just like you were dismissing for a funeral. And they got up row, or a wedding, I don't know which one it is, but, but they got up row by row. And they came down to the front and they put their money in the basket. And then after they'd taken up the collection, the lead pastor's wife, she got up. She came to the podium very distinctly and she said, Church, I just don't believe you've given enough. And we need to bless the pastor. So I think, and, the, and I quote her, she said, I just think all of y'all need to give some more. And so we all stood up again, and those men continued to stand there, and they got up aisle by aisle, and we came down again. And everybody gave some more. And after that collection was taken, the pastor got up. He said, I believe we need to bless the pastor's wife. And so they brought another bucket full. And two men stood at the front, and they blessed the pastor's wife. And as sure as I'm standing here, after they took up the first collection for the pastor's wife, the pastor said, I don't believe you gave enough. It's pretty exciting. Where's love in that? He took home a lot of money that day, I'm just saying. He might have loved going home. I just wonder sometimes where the love is in our collection. Because let's just, let's just lay the cards on the table, guys. It is so easy to get into the habit of just writing the check. I mean, I don't even write a check anymore. It's auto-debited from my account. I have this little app thing on my phone, and I set it up so that it would automatically do the thing. And that's great, because I don't have to try to remember it anymore. But I'm telling you, if we're not careful, even the offering that we give, if we're not careful, we'll just kind of go through the motion and not think about the love that goes with it. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. I've made, I don't know, easily 150, maybe close to 200 trips into Baja, Mexico in the last 12, 15 years doing work with the different churches down there. And the one thing that I've learned about Baja, Mexico, if all of us, every single person in this room, if we were to decide and make an absolute decision that we're going to take every single asset that we own and all of the money in all of our bank accounts, and if we were to liquidate everything that we have and brought all of our collective resources together, we could never fix all the problems in Baja. You know what I'm saying? And if we did the exact same thing and we sold all of our assets, even sold the whole church building and brought everything together and put it in one bank account and started to take care of all the needs around here, we will never, ever, ever fix everything. It's beyond our capacity. But I do know that when we do give anything, if love is not at the heart and core of what we do, it's done in vain. And where is the glory to God in that? So when you make your decisions, when you make your, your choices about what you will give and how you will give, whether it's the collection on Sunday morning or whether it's a cup of coffee at a McDonald's this week or whether it's the guy standing on the side, flying a sign, on the side of the road flying a sign, whether it's your next-door neighbor who just needs a little bit of help with whatever they need help with, however it is that you decide to give, Love has to be at the heart. And they have to know that it comes from in here. Because if it only comes from here, 
It means nothing. You get what I'm saying? And the challenge for us truly is that we are so blessed. We are truly so blessed as a people. It's so easy for us to just hand out the money. And we hand it out generously. But guys, we got to be careful that love is a part of everything that we do. Because without love, it's nothing. I shared this with you last week. I wanted to bring it to your attention again because I want you to really think about this expression that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy. Love does not boast. But I want you to think again about your own self, your own name, your person being placed in these, on these little red lines here on this slide. If I put my name in there, Ed is patient and kind. I wish I could tell you I'm always patient and kind. I'm not. We were driving home yesterday from being here for the ladies sewing and stuff here, and we hit Orange County 405. Have you ever driven on the 405 on Saturday afternoon at 3.30 when no one is supposed to be there and they're all supposed to be at the lake or at the water doing something besides driving? Have you ever been there? And I told Lynn, I said, we got to get out of here. She's like, what do you mean? I said, we got to get out of here. This is crazy. Why are we living in the middle of all this mess? That has nothing that resembles patience. Did you know that? There's nothing about that that resembles patience. The only thing that was patient about it is we finally got home. But it had nothing to do with my attitude. Kindness. When's the last time you were really kind to someone that couldn't repay? And you expected nothing in return for your kindness. Jesus helped people all the time. He reached out to people all the time. And, he did, and they couldn't repay him. How do, you, how do you repay a man who just fed thousands of people? How do you repay him? How, how do you repay the man who just healed the blind or raised the dead? How do, how do you repay him? You can't repay that. Jesus reached out to people constantly with kindness. The woman caught in adultery. How does she repay that? How does she show her expression of love back to Christ? He asks us to be kind. He asks us to not envy and not boast and not be proud. I just have to tell you this story. When I first, Lynn and I first moved here back in 2005, the real estate was just booming. You remember those? Some of you who lived here, it was just booming. I cannot tell you how many people I met in Southern California in 05 and 06 before the economy started just nosediving. I can't tell you how many people that I met and sometimes in the very first five or ten minutes of conversation and ever meeting them, they were telling me how wonderfully blessed and how great they were and all of their real estate holdings and how they bought their house back when it was only this and they had this much equity in their house and it was worth this much. I can't tell you how many of those conversations I had. A lot. Some of them from even people in the church. It was amazing. They were excited about their real estate holdings. And then three years later, here we are, or were. Be careful about what you boast about. Be careful about what you're proud of. 
in the way that you express that. Because it might come across in a really bad way. And it may not bring any honor or glory to God. And in all things, whatever we do, it should bring honor and glory to God. Paul says we shouldn't be rude. Love isn't rude or self-seeking. That means us. We should not be rude or self-seeking. We shouldn't be easily angry. We should keep no record of wrongs. That one is a tough one for some people. Some people could care less. Some people don't remember anything that happened to them on purpose. I mean, they literally choose, they, don't rem they just don't remember. But there are some people that will never forget anything. I hope you're not one of those people. I hope you don't keep records of wrong. But I'm telling you, there's some people, even in the church, who keep record of wrongs. And they hold it over a person's head forever that they did this. And they'll never let them again. There have been one or two preachers that I've known, maybe preachers that you've known, who've done some inappropriate things, sometimes with the church secretary. It happens. Men are men, women are women, and sometimes they do crazy, wild, crazy, stupid things. And I know a couple of those preachers in those circumstances, they were never even allowed to stand in front of the church again in a public way. Even after they repented of all the stuff that they had done and decided that, you know what, I should stay with my wife and I was stupid for doing that and I'm so sorry. And the church said, never, buddy. You are not stepping foot in this pulpit again. And I'm thinking to myself, where is Jesus in that? Now, I'm not advocating that the preacher or anyone in the church here have an affair with our church secretary. Not even going there. And she's not even here. She left the building. I didn't... She's ready for the party next door. But I'm just telling you that. I'm, but I'm saying sometimes, guys, we do some of the craziest things in the name of Jesus because we have to remind someone of what they did that was so bad. And I just don't think God remembers that stuff. He said, if I'm not mistaken, I'll separate your sins as far as the east and the west, and I will remember them no more. And if he remembers them no more, then what kind of record of wrong is he keeping? I don't think he is. And yet we like to do that. And I would prefer that you not forget. Because I want to make sure to remind you of that as often as I have opportunities so that you will understand that I know what you did. Don't delight in evil. Rejoice in the truth. Always protect, always trust, always hope, always persevere. We should be living essence of what love is all about. If I were to go into your neighborhood where you live or into your neighborhood where you work or into the neighborhood where you go to school, if I just hung out around people that hung out with you for whatever reason, what would I learn about you? <clears throat> what would I know about you after spending a few minutes with them? Or a few days with them. You and I have to be very careful that we live a life that's full of love. Because that is the most powerful way for us to live. Because people are watching us. And they are looking at us. And they are examining our lives. They may not be believers they may not care two cents worth of anything to do with God or religion or Jesus or anything, but I promise you they're watching you and they're looking at you and they're remembering you and how you live. We should be the living essence of what love is all about. 
And love is all of those things. But most importantly, love never fails. Paul continues in this letter, and he says something that's a little bit confusing sometimes. He says, where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. But now we see with a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I'll know fully, even as I am known. Oftentimes we read those verses of Scripture and we think, wow, what is he talking about? What does it mean when the perfection comes, when that which is perfect has come? And what does that mean for us? Well, the most important thing that it means for us is that love is always constant. Love never fails, regardless of what may come or go in all of the world, in all of the world of religion, in all of the world of history, of all of the world of the history of the Bible, all of that, regardless of what may happen, what comes and goes, love is still at the foundation of our lives. The Bible is very explicit, and it's pretty blunt when it says, God is love. God is love. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So regardless of what you may ever think about all of these wonderful gifts of the Holy Spirit, regardless of when they started, regardless of when they may ever stop, at the end of the day, the most important thing is love never fails. And if you and I can just begin to grasp just a little bit about what that truly could mean for us, then it might change how we talk to people. It might change how we interact with people. It might change how we talk to our spouses and our kids. It might change how we talk to our next door neighbor. It might even change how we drive home on Sunday afternoon. Because love is what it's all about. It is the love of God in us that causes us and calls us to be the people that he wants to be. So my question for you now is, can love truly be the one thing that remains when everything else is gone? Because someday, all of those gifts, they will be pointless and useless because we will stand before the throne of heaven. One of these days, everything that's happened in the world of the Bible, all of those things, they'll be gone and we'll be standing before the judgment seat of God. And then he will ask a question. Did you love me? Just like he asked Peter, sitting, sitting beside, I think God is laughing right now. <laughs> that is so cool. I think God, I think God gets it. Don't you? He gets it. See, he knows what it's all about. It is about love. And if we were filled up with love as much as that little one right there that's laughing is laughing, man, would it not be a cool way to live? It would be so cool. That's why I like kids in the auditorium. Because you never know what you're going to get. And it's great. The greatest of all is love. It's greater than faith. And we put a whole lot of stock in faith. It's greater than hope. We put a whole lot of stock in hope. But I'm telling you, love is where it's at. Love is the most important thing. Because if we start with love, everything else will take care of itself. It'll all fall in place. 
When we start with all the other stuff without love, it means nothing. It's all just a bunch of noise. It's just a bunch of ganging, clung, uh, uh, clung, what do you call it? Clanging cymbals. See? Still laughing at it. God knows the simplicity of love. He wants us to be that way. And so this morning, I just ask you if you can allow love to be the greatest gift that lives in your life. You know, I'm like Paul. I wish you could speak in tongues more than anybody else in the world. I wish you could prophesy. I wish you had the gift of healings. I wish you could do miracles. I wish you could do all of those things. But more than anything else, I wish that this church would be known by its love. Because if this church is truly known by its love, then we can't have enough services to fill the building. We just can't. And so I invite you and I challenge you to take the love of Jesus with you everywhere that you go. Because that truly is the greatest gift. And it truly is the greatest expression of who he is. It's his love that lives within us. So Brandon is going to come and lead us in a song. I think I skipped the slide over too far. Um, He's going to lead us in this song, How Deep the Father's Love. And as we sing this song, I invite you to consider your life with Christ. And I consider and consider how you can go from this place this week and take the love of Jesus wherever you go in whatever circumstance and conversation that you may have. Let's stand and encourage one another as we sing this song. Have to be the